My name is Pastor Derek. If you know who I am, I want to welcome you to Connect to the 1215. Come on, everybody. We all know this is the best service on Sunday. We all know that, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is always the best one. Turn to your neighbor. Come on, tell them. This is always the best one. If you're a guest, it's always the best, all right? It's just the way it is around here. Uh, I just want to, uh, you know, thank you guys, and I hope you guys enjoyed the worship experience so far. Did everybody like the worship or what? We're so, so blessed, and um, I'm so, so grateful. I want to welcome all our online viewers. Can we say hi to them and just give them a big hand clap as well? Thank you guys for being with us. We keep hearing about more and more people all over the place that are, uh, are kind of tracking with us. Anyway, you know, one of the things about the season we're in, everybody, Christmas right around the corner, right? Thanksgiving, everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Right? Kind of a little bit, you know, rounder, a little bit, you know. <laughs> like one guy said, you know, I'm in shape, round's a shape. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right? Anyway, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into our message in just a second, but um, I just want to uh, you know, just say as you get ready for the holidays, uh, one thing that I've noticed is um, sometimes we can be a little frivolous and just carefree and not realizing, you know, kind of, you know, how, how important it is to be really wise with our time. And, and wise with our treasures. So, you know, just, I don't know, just a little pastoral advice. Just be careful, you know, in your spending habits and things like that. Sometimes we get a little crazy. And then come January, we're getting a lot of phone calls. You know what I mean? I need some counseling. I need some financial counseling and all that. And so I'm just saying, right on the front end, you know, don't let things take you over. Can I have an amen or an me out there? You're like, too late. I already went on Amazon. Mm -mm. It's all in the mail. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. I just want to start with this. I don't know if it's an age thing or if it's a, the, the age we're in now or if it's an awareness thing. But in our world today, if you kind of click on a TV or pull up your phone in the morning, how many know like in a 24-hour period, you can see some really like negative stuff, a lot of problems out in the world today, right? And it's like no other time in human history where you can, you can go, you know, you can watch the news and, and you can see things related to the world, uh, you know, catastrophes and, and, and storms and tsunamis and starvation. And uh, I just talked to a friend uh, last, this last week, day before uh, Thanksgiving, and he's in the Panhandle, Florida, and he was hit by Hurricane Michael. Uh, they're in a two to three year recovery plan. Two to three years. Uh, listen, the... I mean, and we're like, Hurricane Michael, what? You know what I mean? Like up here, it's just, it's, it's back there already. It's already in the rearview mirror of our lives. They're facing it front and center. Uh, we heard about it, but we had this quick disconnect from it. He was telling me that there's so much debris from the storm that they, uh, they're just, they have to lease land and pile it on the land. He sent me a picture of leased land. I thought it was a forest, but it was just debris stacked as high as trees. They're, and they're leasing thousands and thousands of acres from people to try to figure out where we're going to put all the mess because it's just so, so, so devastating. And when, when you hear about that and I hear about that, I don't know, how do you, this is an editor, like kind of a, you don't respond to this, this is a question. How do you respond to that? How, how do we respond to all of that that's happening kind of all the time? It's a little bit of what I want to talk about because I think when we process all this crazy nuts need, when we hear about all these things and see all these things on the news, there's a tendency for us either to be uh, incredibly callous to it, desensitized, numb and dumb to it, 
Or because we're mercy oriented, we just don't even want to look at it. You know what I mean? We're like Gollum, like it burns us. We don't want to, you know, we just don't want to, we don't even want to touch it. So there's usually two extremes. One, you know, numb, nah, you know, Michael's behind me. It's in the rearview mirror. Or I, it's just, I, can't, I don't even want to watch that stuff. I don't, even want, I don't even want to touch I don't want to touch it. And so then on top of that global awareness that we have, like no other time in human history, we have the personal stuff that hits us. Right, we have the, uh, we have the, um, you know, the, the things that come on the phone. Somebody calls us up, and so and so's had an accident, or we hear about so and so that's battling a certain disease, or so and so that's had a uh, an addiction, uh, and it's really started to, it's really started to surface and do a lot of damage in the family, or a prodigal son that's wayward and gone wild, or or you know, a, a, a car accident where somebody was was killed, and all that stuff. It's happening to you all the time. It's happened to me all the time. Uh, uh, in the church world, I don't know your view of church, but it's not like we just pray, read our Bibles, and come to church on Sunday, okay? And so it might be what you think, but actually we're like, we're in the problem-solving business. And so like my phone, uh, it's, it, it could easily be answered instead of, hey, Pastor Derek, how are you? It could easily be answered, crisis center, you know? And, and, and on the other line, there's just, it just seems like there's always problems. How do you process how do you process that? How do I process that? And again, I think during the holidays, it's not that there's necessarily more problems, but we feel them more during the holidays because we have a certain expectation that it's, you know, it's a holy, jolly, you know, we have this expectation that it's going to be a, you know, a Merry Christmas and it's the most wonderful time of the year. And then it's not. And those two things are going, right? And so, I look at that not necessarily as a pastor or as a Christian sometimes and think, what can I do about all of that anyway? You know what I mean? And there, and there can be this disconnect. And then what Christians do sometimes with all of that is we respond to that need with what I call uh, compulsive compassion. In other words, we, we exercise compulsion, but only it's compulsive. It's, it's just it's reactionary. It's... It's, uh, we're meeting a need temporarily. We're putting a Band-Aid on it, but we're not really solving the problem. We're doing it almost to appease our conscience. We're not really doing it to solve a situation, resolve a situation, make something go away. No, it's just, we, I, I need to do something. And so we walk through the grocery lines, and somebody says, would you like to give to this fund or this, that, and the other thing? And, oh, yeah, I better do that. And so we, because we don't have a strategy, because we don't have a life unifying principle to guide us with all of the needs that are out there, uh, big and global and small and personal, we sometimes disconnect from it altogether or we have these compulsive compassion efforts that we make or we just kind of like take what we have. Are you guys all tracking with me? It's a lot going on over here. Is everybody good? Uh, you take what we have and we use our part, our portion, our percentage, and we throw it in front of a fan like feathers, and we just hope it helps people. I want you to see that when you're a part of a church like this, you're, you're becoming a part of something that is more strategic. We're not scattering our resources. We're sowing it in rows to get the highest possible return. That's what missions is for Connect. Missions is taking what we have and leveraging it for the highest possible return in the most strategic way possible. And so I hope to do a good job with that for you this morning. Are you guys tracking with me, everybody? So as Christians, I think we're called to change the world. 
I don't think a government agency is going to do it. I don't think some program is going to do it. I don't think it's going to come, you know, you know, through education. I actually think the primary way that God wants to rescue the world is through the people that are right here. In this room, inside these four walls, can I have an amen? And it's not just, it's not just live our life, me, 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 you know what I mean? Feed me, lead me, teach me something new. No, at some point, I'm just saying, at some point, we make room for you to receive. This is it's a bad word in some people's mind, but it's not a bad word in my mind. To consume. I consume a lot every day. It's not always bad. But I also have to contribute. I also have to come to the point where, see, Christianity is breathing. You inhale. Now you'll, you'll just be weird if you just inhale. You know what I mean? You'll just blow up and blow away. You know what I mean? It's just strange. There's a lot of Christians. All they do is suck in. And they suck as Christians because of it. But we're supposed to exhale what we've sucked in. Does that make sense? We take it in, we exhale, we give it away. That's Christianity in a nutshell, amen? So be careful with all the things you see out there that are going on, the needs that are huge and big, and oh, I don't know if I can do anything of that, or the personal ones that are overwhelming. Be careful. Here's your big idea. Write this down. Be careful that just because you can't do it all, you don't do anything at all. That's the tendency is to completely disconnect. And we can't disconnect. You know why? Because we're Christians. And Christians come together and they form the church. And the church is the hope for a broken world that needs to be rescued. Amen? So I hope you guys catch what I'm, what I'm dropping right now. Everybody catching this right now? Okay? So we have, as Christ followers, a certain social responsibility, believe it or not, in this world. And so Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, look at this. This is what it says uh, in, in Galatians 6, 9. The apostle Paul writes this. He says, hey, guys, let us not become weary, church, he's talking to the church, in doing good. Everybody say good. good. That is the broad sense of the word. In other words, you, you have this tendency because of all that you see on the news, all that you hear about in your sphere of influence, your contacts, your connections, you have this tendency because of that over time to disengage from doing good. What's the point? It won't matter anyway. I'm not really making, <laughs> that's my grandson. It won't make a difference. <laughs> no other baby would distract me but my grandson. It's so, it's all right, he's okay. So I want him to stay in the room, he's so cute. Um, so there's this tendency for us to disengage in doing good. And Paul's saying, don't do that, okay? He says, for at the proper time, everybody say proper time. It's like hammer time, okay? Proper time. You got to say it with a little bit of, you know, I, I'm going to dance, but I'm not. No, I won't. He says, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, now this word opportunity in the Greek, it means uh, availability and ability in the original language. So therefore, as you have availability and you have ability, continue to do good to all y'all. That's southern a translation of that particular all people, okay? So basically the Bible's telling you, don't, you see all the need? Don't disengage. Keep doing good. Don't give up. Take your, what's, make yourself available. Use whatever you're able to do and join it with other people to help people. And by the way, you help people out there, but especially do good, do good to the family of God. Here, here, here's kind of a picture for you. In the New Testament, when the, the book of Acts, when the church was just formed, there were no needs in the church because they all took care of each other. 
There was a, it wasn't like social, there was a, uh, there was the social responsibility was there. You can see it in the book of Acts two, three, four chapters in. You can see it right away. They just took care of everything. See, so basically what will make the church so attractive to the world out there where they'll want what we have is we take care of each other. And so that means we got to take our part, our portion, our percentage and make sure we're taking care of our family. Then we can take care of other people, too. That's kind of like how God looks at things. Does that make sense? Then it says in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. So, so you can't do it by yourself is one way of saying it. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much time, uh, talent, money you have. You will not be able to carry all the weight of all the needs that are out there in the world today by yourself. Not possible. And so what the Bible is saying here is it should be displaced. Christ could handle it all, but we can't. We become the physical representation of Christ on the earth. The church is the physical representation of Christ on the earth. And so the weight of all the burdens and needs are supposed to be displaced on the body of Christ. The church of Jesus Christ. That's how we do what Christ has instructed us to do. And because he gave his life for us on the cross and died, we present our bodies a living sacrifice for him alive. Amen. Does that make sense? I'm preaching good right now. Okay, so I'm hoping for a little better response. Hallelujah. All right, so here's a principle that helped me filter and process and guide me in kind of my decisions when I see needs. When I go through the grocery store and they're like, hey, would you like to give to this? Would you like to give that? No, no, no. I can't do it all. What do I do? So here's a principle. Write this down. Do for someone what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for someone what you wish you could do for everyone. Or you could say do sometimes what you wish you could do every time. Do somewhere what you wish you could do everywhere. It's basically saying this. Don't, don't buy this trap uh, that I know you all experienced when you were growing up. I know you all did. I know, in other words, when you were growing up, your parents uh, would say something like this to you, and I'll unpack it this way. Let's just say your parents are having a party. My mom's having a party, and she's having some people over, and so she makes some brownies and some cookies. And she's having like 20 people over, and so me and my sister are excited because we like her brownies and her cookies, but my mom's basically got to save that because she wants to make sure she has enough for all the people that are coming over. And so we come up to my mom and we say, Mom, can I have a cookie or can I have a brownie? And she says, no, Derek, of course you can't have a cookie, first of all, because you haven't had dinner yet. But secondly, she'd say, no, you can't have a cookie because if I do it for you, then I'm going to have to do it for everyone. Has anybody ever heard that before? So she said, I do it for you. If I do it for you, then I'm going to have to do it for everyone. To which I would think, no, you don't. You could just do it for me. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Nobody has to know. Just give me the cookie. I won't tell Janelle. I promise my sister I won't tell her. Right? That's what we're thinking. And then that would, that would contrast with another parental principle that didn't make sense to me. Because other times I'd want to do something. And she, and, and she wouldn't let me, or, or dad wouldn't let me, and I'd say, that's not fair. To which she would say, life's not fair. Grow up. Right? I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on these two things. And basically, the myth of fairness keeps us from doing anything. We think because, well, if I do it for you, then I have to do it for everyone, and I can't do it for everyone, so I'll do nothing at all. 
the myth of fairness keeps us from doing anything. So sometimes we think, if I, if I do something, it won't matter, or if I do something, it won't be fair, and that keeps me from doing anything at all. There's our problem. And so missions is about strategy to meet the need, but to start meeting the need, we have to have a life-unifying principle, and that is do for someone what you wish you could do for everyone. And then it's taking that attitude with what I've been given and joining it with what someone else has been given in order to change the world. Does that make sense to anybody out there? So you might not change the whole world, but you can change someone's world in the process. Amen? So in your worship guide, you don't have to look at it now, but you'll still be tempted to, and some of you will look at it, even though I'm telling you not to look at it, and stop it. But in your worship guide, you have a little giving report. It's a 30,000-foot view of what you did, those of you who are contributors to Connect, financially. And we have eight strategic partners, and then we have other ministries that we do uh, and touch people's lives with. Last year, 2018, we touched 55,000 people's lives. Come on, that's serious, yeah. And that's not all the people that attended church. We're just talking about through family of ministries and through the different ways that we serve and the different people we give to, that's what happened in over 550 uh, uh, churches as well. And so that's what you're, you're, you're taking whatever you give, and I just want you to see in, in, in kind of numbers how we're getting a return on that. That's a metric for you. And then we took... Of our total budget, 11% of our total budget, we, in, we invest in these strategic partners. So I don't know what you're used to. Most people don't even talk about this in church on a Sunday morning, what we gave. We usually talk about what you need to give. And so I'm telling you that of our total budget, we take money out of that, and we, in essence, tithe as a church. So what, we, what I do personally, what I encourage you to do as an individual Christ follower, we do corporately. Not because it's a mandate from Scripture, but I figure because it works personally, it'll also work corporately. And so we believe God blesses our church because we take money and we strategically invest it in different mission organizations, of which I'm going to highlight a few this morning in testimony. But if you want to see all of our mission partners and dig into them, go onto our website, uh, WeConnect.cc, and then the Missions tab, and you'll see all those partners there and all the different things that we do. We couldn't show you everything that we do. Amen? But I want to say, for those of you who are uh, tithers and, and commit to giving on a regular basis, we don't pass a plate in our church, and we don't pressure people to give, but people do give. They give in obedience to God's Word, and they give because, because they're blessed for doing so. Thank you. I just want to say thank you to all of you who do that. You're making a big difference, and I, I wish I could tell you everything. I wish I could show you more. You can always come in and ask more to our staff, and we'll unpack more if you want to, but I just want to say thank you. There are three lanes, though, that we give through primarily. primarily. One is local missions. Then next is domestic or national missions work, and then also international. I want to show you uh, a local, one of them, this is just a highlight, one of the local uh, mission organizations that we partnered with for 18 years. My, my beautiful, sweet little mom was the person who kind of was uh, in the interview for this, and I'd like you to dim the lights and just kind of show that testimony uh, of my mother talking about what we do here locally. Go ahead. It was about 20 years ago, um, I, I felt like the Lord was telling me to work with homeless people. And I was dragging my feet because I had no idea what, what that entailed or how I would do it. So this one particular Sunday, Ernie had a guest speaker and I was sitting on the front row. And at, at the end of the service, he um, gave an altar call 
and he pointed to me and told me a specific woman to go and pray with. I did. And I began to ask her a few questions because I had no idea what she needed prayer for. And she told me she was homeless and living in her car. So I felt like, wow, there it is, Randa. You're not going to get away from this, God. <laughs> if you're not going to move out, God is just bringing somebody into the church. So through her, um, I began to do searching as how could I find a place for her to live. So here was a local thing and the women already wanted to do it. So that's how I got involved with Shadows. We, we prayed about it before we went and had a meeting and everything. And most of the women wanted to do just something fun, but I felt like we needed to do something spiritual because that's why we were going was to tell them about the Lord. So we we got into an agreement and we did both. <laughs> so when we first went in, we would play a game. We played Pictionary and we'd get the women in the house to participate in it. But then after we played the game, then we always had somebody in the group who gave their testimony. And because of the stories the women um, told, they could relate to them. And you know, they call us the church ladies. They just thought, wow, these ladies, they're from the church. They don't have any problems. They haven't, you know, their life has just always been perfect. So I think we just kind of blow them out of the water when they realize, no, <laughs> we haven't always been, you know, perfect. Not that we're perfect now, but you know, that we had problems, but because of our um, coming to know Jesus, our whole life has changed and that's how we've overcome our problems. At the end of the service, we always, um, or at the end of the night, we always ask and tell them about the church when our services are and invite them. And um, we always say that we're the perfect church for imperfect people <laughs> and that, you know, everybody is welcome. This one person, um, I could, I could tell so many stories, it was really hard to narrow down, but I think this will maybe be a good representation of how it happens when they do come to church. Finally, we got this one girl to come to church. She didn't believe in God or, you know, anything about God and really didn't want to have anything to do with him but she liked us and so she said she would come to church so she came to church and she met some other women here besides us and they invited her to the small group the very first night she went somebody gave their testimony and she related to it and accepted jesus as her savior that very night and from that time on her life changed dramatically. I mean, it was one miracle upon another, one provision for her, and all different things from getting a car, you know, to getting housing, all different things happened to her. And so today, she met uh, uh, another Christian in a church that she was attending there, got married. She has two children, and she's living for God. She's teaching the children about God, and she's just doing really, really good. Just um, over the weekend, I because I've stayed in touch with her through Facebook and emails, and she sent me an email thanking me and the other women that she named um, for reaching out to her and for teaching her and training her in the things of God. She's just so grateful. It was it was overwhelming. It made me cry. It made me cry because I realized. Her life was changed forever. If she died tonight, I know she'd go to heaven. She knows the Lord. And I also, I was so proud of her. 
not because of me, but that she was grateful. She knew that people had helped her and brought her along, and that's what she wants to do. She wants to be a godly influence in other people's lives. And that's what it's all about, changed lives. If we just can change one life at a time, we're making an impact. Isn't that awesome? Come on. Way to go, Mama. Proud of you. 18 years serving the community with the ladies, the church ladies. Isn't that special? Uh, Anyway, proud, proud, proud of that. Um, I, I'm going to switch gears to a uh, national or domestic area. Again, these are just one of many testimonies that we could bring. We used to do like 10 videos in the service, but we know that's not relatable in all play, so we're just going to highlight a couple. This is um, one of the places that we so strategically is into leadership. The Bible says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And then I've kind of coined a phrase uh, that I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me. If you can shore the shepherd up, the sheep will continue to gather. And so one of the best things we can do is help pastors be healthy because healthy pastors will produce healthy churches. In fact, my son's reading a book right now. Son, what's the name of that book you're reading, Leadership Book? And there's uh, this particular book is called Leadership Pain. And there was a study that was done of the four most stressful jobs in America. And the fourth most stressful job in America, I know it's going to surprise some of you, especially in New England, is a pastor. The fourth most stressful job in America is a pastor uh, because of the pressure that they have, the relational and emotional and spiritual pressure they have upon them being an example in the spotlight. And so we try to help pastors. And I actually have a call for that. And I actually feel a special grace from you as a church. You may not realize you're giving it, but my leadership is giving it so that we can kind of multiply ourselves. So our reach and our influences beyond the four walls of this church, not just with people, but with people who lead people. Can I have an amen? And so I want you to see one of the couples that we pour, just one that we pour into, Sam and Ada Hooker. Why don't you guys check this out? Here you go. Hey, Connect. Um, my name is Sam Hooker. This is my wife, Ada. We pastor down in Victoria, Texas, Victory in Victoria, Texas. And we just want to thank you so much for investing in us through Relate Coaching. You know, before um, Relate Coaching came and uh, before we had Pastor Derek in our lives, we were really struggling as a church, very disillusioned. We were running like 30 people in our weekend, no one getting saved, no one giving their life to the Lord, and just uh, struggling with where do we go from here? Because that was not the vision that God had put in my heart to, uh, to move forward with. And then uh, we were able to uh, develop this relationship with Pastor Derek. And at that point, everything just kind of began to turn around. Yeah, I remember the first question that uh, he asked us was, what is your vision? Yeah. And when he heard what it was, he said, well, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and he really just started giving us the tools that we needed mm -hmm. through you, Connect, um, we got things like infrastructure. Um, we got procedures of how to uh, help run systems in the church, teams, uh, train up volunteers. Our growth track, the very first growth track yeah. we ever did um, came from Connect. And he said, take it, make it your own. And That's that right. just turned around uh, the growth of our church. And what I got personally is I got a pastor. Yeah. I, we, we got someone that was going to care about us as people, yeah. knowing that, hey, the, the life of ministry is difficult. Mm -hmm. And while you pour out and you give your life to other people, that oftentimes you don't have anybody that's poured into your life. And so uh, for me, that was, that was, that's Pastor Derek speaking to my life, saying, what's the condition of your soul? 
What's the condition of your heart? Uh, what's, what's tripping you up? And to me, it's just, it's been so refreshing knowing that I don't have to go through anything alone. And so uh, we just, we wanted to thank you, church, because without your support, without your giving hearts, without your generous spirit, none of this would have been possible. So Amen. thank you so much thank from you. the bottom of our hearts. And you are making a difference in Victoria, Texas. We went from having a church of 30 on the weekend to what are we running now, babe? Over 300. Uh, over 300. And listen, that our first year with Pastor Derek wasn't our first year. We saw more people saved in that year than the previous seven years combined. Yeah, amen. So thank you, Connect. You're making a huge difference in South Texas. Thank you. It's <laughs> awesome. So good. So good. Thank you. We had a relate event just recently in the month of October. We had over 300 pastors and leaders that were here in this building, uh, just kind of serving them. And so when you give and contribute to the vision of Connect, we poured that into all those churches. It was a very expensive event, but it had incredibly high return in terms of being able to make a huge impact, mostly in our region, but even as far as Texas and Florida and New Jersey and a lot of other places uh, up and down uh, the East Coast as well. So I just want to commend you all for that. Uh, on an international level, we have, our, we have our own mission in the Dominican Republic that my dad and mom who are here in the service started over 20 years ago while on a vacation uh, to the Dominican Republic. And as much as I could say about that, but we've been sowing and making a difference there for many years in the lives of children. We really believe fundamentally that the next generation is our best investment. Uh, so God's greatest investment is people, but we really believe children are major kind of strategic effort there for us. And so we, we, we kind of, um, you know, uh, equip kids and feed kids and, and give them the things they need socially, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually to be successful. We make a long-term commitment to them all the way until they're 18 years old through our Hope Centers. And um, one of our very own uh, members of our church has been there multiple times. She is, uh, uh, you know, kind of vested in, in the sense that she's experienced experienced it firsthand, and I thought it'd be good for you to hear from one of our members and how what we're doing in the Dominican Republic has made a difference in her life, but also in the life of others. Would you welcome Priscilla Souza as she comes to the platform? Come on, Priscilla. <laughs> good afternoon. Hello. So I am Priscilla Souza, uh, and on, last month, on the 10th of October, I returned from what was my third missionary trip um, in the Dominican with uh, the Connect family. And it is amazing. In, for those of you who don't really know how these trips work, about two to three months, and I see some people here that I've, we've been on mission trips before, I'm really excited to see so many friendly faces. So you'll, you know that about two or three months before we start meeting, we have weekly, bi-weekly meetings to pray, get to know each other, and more importantly, to um, to, to start organizing, shaping, what are we going to do, and dividing up the tasks or the assignments. Well, first year there, um, my quote-unquote assignment was to deliver a teaching on depression. With multiple times there, I ended up being teaching to about 300 people, which is something way outside my comfort zone. It was something, it was a topic that was really personal, it was really hard to be that vulnerable in front of strangers. Um, and much less in a large group of people. But mm -hmm. little did I know that less than two years later, I'd be doing a lot of public speaking when I ran for office. So when you put yourself out there, and when you sacrifice your comfort zone, 
God starts preparing you for things that aren't even on your, on your so radar. True. He knows. And the reason I keep going back is because it is so amazing to put yourself wholly and entirely in God's grace. You and a group of people are going to a country. Most of you don't know the language. You certainly don't know the culture. You don't know your way around a paper bag down there. So everything you do is dependent on God's grace. Mm. You go where he tells you to go. You do what he tells you to do. And you walk by faith. But this time around, I went, I went down and I was really curious because I had gotten a lot of these trips out of these trips. But I was wondering, am I really doing something or am I just you know, going down there for the spiritual growth and the warm fuzzies. So on the flight down there, I'm praying, and the Lord heard, and he spent the next week, the following week, answering my question. I ran into people there that I hadn't seen since the very first trip. People that when we, when we made that call, they raised their hand and they accepted Jesus in their lives, who are now on fire for God. Amen. We met people who spontaneously came up to me. When you prayed for me, when you, we all prayed together, I was healed. I, had, I feel no pain. When, you, when we all prayed together, my, my son's life turned around. God started to provide for my family. And I actually got to see this time around a lot of the children that we've been sponsoring. And, I've had, and I got to know them before they were sponsored, after. And it is amazing. Yes, the, the financial provision is amazing, but the relationship they have with people in this very church. Mm-hmm. They walk up to us like, oh, you're from Connect? Do you know my friend? And they mention a name. When you're sponsoring these children, you're not necessarily just a source of provision for them. You're an extension of their family. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's very good. And it's, it was oh. awesome because we, we went to the Hope Center multiple days, and they were like, well, are you coming back tomorrow? Because I'm going to wear an outfit, and you take a picture for my friend, okay? <laughs> <laughs> So you have that relationship. Um, and if I could, I, one of the stories that really stuck out for me this time, really touched my heart. I, I met a woman. We went to a small church in San Marcos. And we did a practical teaching of first aid. We also did a spiritual teaching. And then we hung out there to pray for everybody. In, all the way in the back of the room, there was this woman. She kind of did one of these for me. So I went over. She's like, listen, I don't think you remember me, but I remember you. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what did I do? So she started telling her story, and it jogged my memory a little bit. She, the first time I went in 2015, she was a recent widow. She had just lost her husband. Not only did she lose her husband, love of her life, she lost the primary breadwinner of her house. She had two small children to care for a small child and a teenager. And she had asked me to pray for her. And I honestly, I was 27 years old, unmarried from a first world country. What can I possibly say to a woman who's going through this, who's processing this pain? But, and I don't even remember much of this conversation, but she said that I prayed for her and I told her that God wouldn't forget about her. Well, she told me that about a week after we left on that trip, that we came back to the United States, she ran out of food and she ran out of money in her house. Her daughter had gotten a job, but the paycheck wasn't going to come for another 10 days or so. 
and she didn't know what to do. She's like, we're going to have to starve until then. She didn't want to alarm her children. So she sat her kids down and said, listen, you guys sit tight. I'm going to go get us some food, and I'll come back. The moment that gate closed and she closed the door, she put her hands on her head. She's like, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't have a plan. I don't have a way. So she started walking. She walked until she got to the beach. And once she got to the beach, there was no more ground for her to walk. She said she briefly contemplated putting a handful of rocks in her pockets and just walking out to sea. Um, because she felt that if she couldn't provide for her kids, what good she was, was she for them? She remembered our prayer, that we prayed for her, and she remembered that God wasn't going to forget. So in one last-ditch effort, she knelt down on the sand to pray. She said she looked down, and she found 3,000 pesos buried in the sand. <laughs> that is the kind of seed that we are that God uses us to plant when we challenge our comfort zone, mm -hmm. when we don't rely on ourselves, when we allow him to provide and we use ourselves as vessels, whether it is with our time, with our energy, going out of the country, sponsoring child, when you challenge yourself, when you leave your comfort zone and let him do the work, amazing things happen. <laughs> Thanks, Priscilla. Great job. Come on, give her a big hand. You know, Priscilla set this up just right. There's a scripture in the Bible. I think there's kind of a secret to making a difference in the world and before you can contribute, give, serve, lead other people. Um, she really had to kind of surrender wholly, she said, uh, to God. And there's a place in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this particular verse that's in your notes. Uh, the Apostle Paul has, is kind of admonishing the church of Macedonia at this particular time to, uh, to, to bring an offering. And he had, they'd already committed to do it, but he was following up on them. He was kind of challenging them. Are you guys going to do what you said you were going to do? And the Bible says they did even more than what they said they were going to do, which that caught my eye because I was thinking to myself, how often do you hear about people doing more than what is asked, especially when it comes to resources financially, right? And I thought to myself, how? How did that happen? Why did that happen? What is unique about that? And, and, and of course, all the needs were met as a result of this offering. And it says this, they did even more than we had hoped for their first action. Everybody say first action. Yes. Interestingly enough, their first action wasn't to help anybody else. Their first action was to give themselves what? To the Lord. So, you, so, so before you can really... Get it all right in what goes out of you. You have to make sure you fully have given yourself to God. It will change your heart. See, when you, you're, we give to others. We love because he first loved us. We give, we serve, we make ourselves available to other people because of an awareness that Jesus got on a cross and presented himself a, a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. A fragrant offering uh, went up to God because of that sacrifice. He gave everything. And so he's not asking us to die. He's asking us to die to ourselves, though. 
and make our lives matter by pouring into other people. And so first action is to give themselves to the Lord and then to other people, just as God, what? He wants them to do, and he wants us to do the same thing. So what would it look like? Who do you give? Like, I just think every Christmas, what do I give my grandmother? When my grandmother was alive, we'd always debate about what are we going to give Grammy this year? What do you give a grandmother that has everything? You know, I'm like, she has this, she has that, she has this. I, the only thing you give her, the only thing I can give my grandmother is me. She wanted me to be there. She wanted me to be there when, when she made a meal. She wanted me to eat it, and I would oblige. <laughs> and she'd sit there with her chin in her hands and just watch me. She just, wanted, she just wanted me. And God just wants you to give all of yourself to him first, and then he will do something in your heart. And what does he do in your heart, and what does it look like? What's the expression after that? Three action steps to give yourself uh, first to God and then to others. This is what it looks like. Number one, you got to be available. Be available. See, sometimes we're looking at the wrong thing. The thing that's keeping you from making a difference in the world, changing the world, and being there for someone else is you're too busy. You're just thinking too busy, you know? I had this quote I wrote. This is a made-up quote, but sometimes I feel I'm too busy to tell people how busy I am. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just crazy. But never get too busy making a living that you don't make a life or touch a life. Or make a difference in someone's life. That's, and, and there's this trend to get away from that. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, this is what it says. And i got to unpack a word for you. It says, um, all the things you heard me say, Apostle Paul speaking, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to, what's it say there? Yellow? Reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Here, that word reliable in the original language, it means available, faithful. Faithful or available. When I saw that, I was like, God's looking for people not who are qualified first, but who are available first. You are not going to make a difference if you're not available. Are you, in fact, available as a Christ follower? That is an expression of giving. If you really have given yourself solely, fully to God, you should have some availability. Number two, you need to be a doer. Everybody say doer. It, the, the New Testament word for this is servant. The Greek word is doulos, servant. The greatest among you, the Bible says, is a servant of all. I didn't grow up thinking like that. I didn't grow up thinking, when I grow up, I want to be the greatest servant on the planet Earth. <laughs> no, I wanted to be a WWF wrestler, SmackDown Friday nights. That's what I wanted to be, straight up. I, you know, and I wanted people to, I wanted to be famous. See, you can be famous or you can be an influencer. You know, I want, to make, I want to make a difference now, not have people serve me or look at me or pay attention to me. And so God wants us, he wants you to be the highest position. The kingdom of God is a servant. It's a servant. The, in his kingdom, it's upside down. It's not how many people are under you. It's actually how many people are over you. It's flipped. It's flipped. Is everybody tracking with me out there? In fact, you know, in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, uh, Jesus is talking. He's, he's coming in on a conversation that the disciples are having amongst themselves. And this is what they're talking about. This is his top shelf leadership, you know, team, his elite task force. And they're basically like, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? They're just like, come on, come on, come on. Who do you think is the greatest? Who do you think, you think Peter's the greatest? Who do you think John's the greatest? Who do you think is the greatest? You know, Matthew the greatest. Who's the greatest? And, and then Jesus is like, what are you guys talking about? He's like, nothing. We're good. <clears throat> you know, and the Bible says they got silent. And then he knows what they were talking about. You know, he knows their thoughts, and he certainly knows what they were talking about. And the Bible says, you know what? If you think you're going to be first, you're going to be last. 
And the greatest among you is the servant as the servant of all. And then I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This is kind of connects the dots. Uh, you know, what, okay, so I need to be available. I need to serve. I need to, but I need to come together with other people. It's not something that I do by myself. You are not strong enough. You are not smart enough. You are not available enough. You don't have the talent enough. You don't have enough money to really solve all the problems that are going on. But... The secret sauce is when I take my part and join it with your part, and I do my share, we make a difference. So the Bible says, from him, from whom, the whole body, let's talk about the church here, joined and knit together, talking about relationships. you got to be in relationships. It's so important that you connect it, connect, by whatever joint supplies. That word joint there is not the word some of you are thinking from your past, okay? It's not that joint. You're like, at least they got some relief. No, that's not what we're talking about. This word joint means when two parts come together. Two parts come together. So when you take your part, you're joining with somebody else's part. It supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Are you a part of the body of Christ, yes or no? Yes. Are you doing your share? <laughs> Some of you started talking in tongues and you don't even believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you're a part of the body, what this is saying is you need to take your part, join it with somebody else's part, do your share, and in the process, it causes growth, needs to be met, everybody to be taken care of. Is everybody tracking with me? Last point is be a giver. Be a giver. So this is, again, what does it look like once you give yourself, your first action is to go to God? It should affect your time. It should affect your talent. You're available, you're a doer, and lastly, your treasure. It should make you a giver. In Luke chapter 16, verse 9, Jesus is addressing a spiritual problem with, that people have with their resources, with their stuff. And he refers to their stuff as there's these three gods. Basically, our greatest temptations all are affected by three gods in this world. Baal, Asherah, and Mammon. This is, this is these Old Testament gods, but they, they address power, uh, possessions, pleasure. Everybody track with that? Yeah. It's, it's all throughout the Bible. But anyway, we'll do that another time. And so the spirit of Mammon, it's, Mammon is your stuff. And your stuff that you have has a spirit on it. It's not neutral. It has a spirit on it. You put a certain spirit on it by what you do with it. Your words are not neutral. Similarly, so like the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, the words have the power of life and death. It's in the tongue. You can either use your words to build up or you can use your words to tear down. You can words, use your words to, 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 to heal. Or you can words you, to hurt. Your words have a spirit on them, so does your resources, so does your stuff. And so the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 9, Jesus, I say to you, make friends. So he's saying to the church, go out into the world, make friends for yourselves by using unrighteous mammon. Your stuff, it's got, whoops, it's got the wrong spirit on it, but to put the right spirit on it, uh, you have to use it to make friends. That's the context of this. So that when you fail, by the word, this word fail means everlasting presence in the Greek. It means when you expire and you're standing before God or you're in God's house, when they, the people you made friends with by using unrighteous mammon with the right spirit, they will receive you into everlasting homes. That's what the scripture is all about. I'm unpacking it super fast. Let me try to say this another way. or say it, I'll say it in a story in a minute. When you take what you have, 
your stuff. Your house, your car, your backyard, your pool, your clothes. Look, get ready, get ready, get ready. Your wallet. Woo! It got chilly in here on that one. You take all of that stuff and you leverage it to reach people who are disconnected from God. You make friends with them. People will see how you're using that. It puts the right spirit on your stuff. They see how you're using it. And one day, because of that, because of how you use that, they may end up in heaven. And then when you get there, you're going to cross over as you expire from this life to the next to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And when you cross over, there's going to be somebody there. You sponsored a kid in the Dominican Republic. You never saw them, but they're going to be there saying, welcome. Thank you so much for what you did through that church and through that mission organization. You're going to get to that place, and you may never have seen a pastor that you touch through your strategic giving, but there'll be a pastor there and say, because of you, I didn't quit. I didn't give up. And hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives came to Jesus. And by the way, they're behind me. I'll introduce you to them if you want. But thank you. High five. That's so awesome. God will use your unrighteous mammon when you leverage it to make friends. God will welcome you and he will thank you in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense to everybody out there? That deserves a praise. Amen. Let, let, let me personalize it for you. It's everywhere. It's all, it, it needs everywhere. But you don't have to do, you just have to do for someone what you wish you could do all the time. You just, some, there's going to be somewhere, sometime, someplace, you just make sure that you're not disconnecting from all of that. I was on vacation this last summer. I debated whether I was going to share this story, but I did it in the first service. The second, here we go. And, and we were on vacation, and, and let me preface this by just saying, I'm going to talk a little bit about alcohol, but my wife never touched a, a, just a drop of alcohol until she met me. Praise God. Isn't that a great influence that I've had on her life? And, I, and, I, and we, we're not, we are not drinkers, okay? But, but we don't think it's wrong. It's just in excess, it's wrong, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. We, evaluate, we elevate the Holy Spirit above spirits, wine and spirits, okay? And so, anyway, but on vacation, my wife, we, once in a while, will enjoy a drink. Very rare. But she likes, she doesn't really like a drink. She likes Kool-Aid with a little bit of alcohol. So basically, she says, can you get me a wine cooler? I said, sure. She goes, don't go to the local places right up against the beach. You'll pay too much money. I want you to go into town, into the Walmart, because you get a better deal. I'm like, okay. And so by the time I finally got there, I was like, I'm not sure I'm saving money. It took so long. And so I get out of the car. Can you guys handle this? Are we too religious in here to handle this a raw example? Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, some of you are like, I don't know. Well, we'll see. And then others are like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Different crowd, different crowd. Okay, so I go to the Walmart, I get out of the car, and I see this guy sitting in front of the Walmart, and he's got a cup, and, and he's like begging, and he looks rough. He looks rough. He's a homeless guy. And you can tell he's just real banged up. And I feel the Holy Spirit quicken me, like, I want you to do something for him. I want you to help him. Uh, you know, and I'm like, okay, okay. I said, if, if you're still talking to me, when I get out, I'll go talk to him. So I go into the Walmart. I go into Walmart, and I get my alcohol. Right? I got a little six-pack. This is a picture worth a thousand words. Let me just tell you that right now. You guys all missed the opportunity. Could have been an awesome story. So I, I, I'm going in line. I pay for the alcohol and whatever else, pack of gums, who knows. And I walk out, and the host, I want you to do it. I said, okay. So I turn the corner, and I see this guy, and he's sitting on the ground, and he, he's, he's rough. And um, I can't tell if he's on drugs or what. And so I just go, hey, man, what's your story? I'm just sitting here like, what's your story, man? And he just unpacks his story. And he's like, yeah, you know, I was in foster homes, and, 
and I, I, you know, my parents rejected me when I was young, and I've been hitchhiking across the country from Florida to here, and it was just too hot down there because I'm living on the street, and I, I got a job down the street, so, uh, but you know, I don't have enough money to get into a place where it's just enough to kind of you know, get through. And I said, man, I'm going to give you a hot meal in just a second, but you know, I'd love to you know, talk to you some more. I mean, and I don't, I don't remember everything I said, but I do remember just eventually I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, yeah. I said, listen, you know what? Uh, silver and gold have I none. I mean, I do have a wine cooler if you want that. But no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I said, <laughs> two. If you want. Anyway, my wife only needs three. She's a lightweight. Uh, no. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I said, silver and gold have I none kind of speech. I said, but you know, the best thing I can give you is not a hot meal. I said, the best thing I can give you is the thing that really changed my life, made me a different person. And that's my relationship with Jesus. And I'd love to pray for you. And he gave me some story about bad experience with religion. I said, I apologize for that. I said, but don't charge that to Jesus. He said, fine. And I, and I led him to Jesus. That's not the best part. So then I go to my car with my alcohol, and I'm walking away. I'm like, has anybody seen me? This is the weirdest moment. I'm like giving Jesus with alcohol. And I get in my car, and I get in my car, and I put the alcohol. I'm like, thank God it's in the car. Nobody will see me. And I, and I turn around, and there's this lady. She goes, excuse me, excuse me. And she's real emotional. I go, what? She starts crying. She goes, oh, my gosh. She goes, I walked in behind you to the Walmart, and I was purposefully avoiding this guy. And I, and, I, and I just I skirted around him. And then somehow, someway, I was behind you in the line. And I came out, and you turned the corner, and you went right up to him. And, and this is embarrassing. And I, he says, but I, I leaned against the wall to hear what you were doing and what you were saying. She said, and I listened to every word you said. She said, and I, I, I don't know how to say this, but my heart is about to burst. I have so much conviction. I was trying to avoid the need. I didn't think, what could I do? I was actually judging him. And you went over there, and you gave him money, and you gave him your faith. She goes, would you pray for me? And I prayed for her right behind my car, and I just asked God. I said, your first action, honey, is to surrender completely to the Lord and let him expand your capacity to help people. Be available. Be a doer. Be a giver. It's everywhere all the time. And I want God to do that for you. Would you let me pray? She said, yes. And I prayed for her, and I went home. Man, I felt like a million bucks. And I gave those wine coolers to my wife. I said, let's rejoice. Hallelujah. This is awesome. <laughs> it was like communion. <laughs> I was like communion. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. I hope, I hope it's coming through what I'm saying. I really do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, really. Listen, with, with, your, with, with your eyes on your own heart, be very, very still, leaders. With your eyes on your own heart, are you available, church? Are you too busy for God to use you? Are, you? are your eyes open to the needs? Are you a doer? Are you willing to serve? It's through the local church that we can make probably the biggest difference of anything on the planet. I believe that with all my heart. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. There's a lot of other things I could do. I could be making money. I could be doing other things with my talents. But I'm here because I believe the church, you, with me, together, can make the biggest difference. But we have to be available. We have to be a doer. Are you a giver? You know, are you just kind of, if you do, you just scatter seed or maybe nothing at all. God's maybe teaching you something through this message. They do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. God wants you to strategize and be more strategic about sowing seed. Now, maybe you're here today and you're far from God. Maybe you're here today and you're maybe not in a condition like that guy was in Walmart, but your heart is. 
And you need to come close to God, and he's knocking on the door of your heart. He did that for me, and he did that for many people in this room, and he did that, and he wants to do that. Even if you're listening online, he wants to do that for you. If that's you today and you know you're far from God, I want you to know something. Jesus came all the way from heaven to earth for you. He took off all of his privileges, all of his stuff that he had, and he put it aside and he became a bond servant, the Bible says. And he came and he lived a sinless life and he and it literally died like a slave on a cross so that your sins could be paid for. And the Bible says that he, God now, his father, has given him the name that's above every name. That at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means that you, sir, man, boy, or girl, have a choice right now in this life to bend your knee to him. Because one day you're going to have to. And I just want to give you that chance. By showing, uh, by raising your hand saying, that's me. I want to bend my knee to Jesus today. I want to give my life to you. I don't want to go another day without knowing Jesus as my Savior. This is an important moment. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Right now. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Right now. Good night. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Don't miss it. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for your courage. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Church, pray this prayer with me, everyone. And those that raise your hand in particular, let's just say this. Jesus, my first action today is to give myself fully to Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. Thank you for paying for my sins, paying my debt you're not asking me to pay it back. You're asking me to pay it forward by being available, by being a doer, and by being a giver. Let me pray for you, Father, for every person who prayed that prayer sincerely. I pray that change would begin because of this message today in Jesus' name. And everybody said,